0: Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is June 11th, 2019. I have been telling you guys all this time how it's so cool out here. It's still cold out here. Well, today we're like going into the hundreds. We're going to, I'm going to Pasadena today, and it is, I think, supposed to be like 102 by three o'clock, or something crazy like that after all this socked in weather. So it's been interesting. I do enjoy it. I love the differences, but boy, it's going to be hot. I hope you're doing well wherever you're at today. We are doing part two of the questions I got from Origins of Truth. There has been a lot of, I want to say, I know it's going to sound redundant, but truth in Origins of Truth. When any of us first read it, if you've read it, and if you didn't, gosh, find the book somehow and read it. It's also available on ebook if you read books that way. But when I wrote that book, I understood up to what I could possibly know. And Christ said something so poignant in it that it never leaves my head that we will learn everything we already know in greater and greater depth. And we're learning that depth. It's not like Christ told me a future. I don't know future, but I do know truth. And truth takes us a while to catch up to and to see. How many times have we, we had an argument with somebody or we had a really challenging situation where we may not have known what to do right away? And then what happens, is that maybe a year later, we're we're doing something, we're cleaning something out, we're driving somewhere, and we go, oh, my gosh, how did I not see that the reason that person did that is because they were hurting or they wanted my attention or I really didn't follow through. And you start to, like, build in a level of compassion Once you could see the whole thing, because when we are emotionally involved, most of the time, all we can see is that we either were hurt or disrespected or something like that. And that's how Oregon's the Truth, the book is. It's like you read something and then you'll be somewhere, anywhere, and you'll go, oh, my gosh, I, I get that now. I really do certain things that take away from me, but I don't know what that is. It's really an interesting thing. So after yesterday's show, I got, um, there was a lot of response, and I am really sorry, first of all, about the people who didn't hear it. And they're saying, just listen to yesterday, show. so much in there. So far, so good on the chat. So that means our chat is working. That's something we need to know because yesterday I didn't know the whole time. And also the fact that that part about my seeing Christ and it being questioned or the fact that people say, of course you saw him, and, and some who want facts and want you know, descriptions and all of that. Christ was right. It started the conversation. From people telling me it can't be true to people telling me how true it can be to people being scared of me because they think that I know something about them that, you know, they don't want me to know. There's a a woman who came to me and said, I'm not going to let you look in my eyes. I'm not going to let you look in my eyes. I'm like, okay, okay. I don't know what to do with that, but okay. But bigger than that is just the truth. It's not, the, the seeing Christ part of my life isn't the big deal. The big deal is the information. So I got a couple of letters as a result of yesterday's show. And someone wrote me, and I have to read this anonymously, but then I'm going to actually talk about how to use the book. Because that book, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, it's like a living, breathing organism. And it grows with you. The more you know, the more you'll learn from that book. So, Here's the question, and it's a little long, so just bear with it, but I don't feel happy and I feel worried. I don't understand why things are not happening in my life. Nothing. I was stuck in my university for a long time. I really don't know why it took so long. I never had any problems with studying, but I was very tired and dealing with family and people around me and their negative energy. And issues wasn't helpful either. Later on, I realized it was one of the things that caused me anxiety in the first place. Dealing with people took a lot out of me, but for the most part, I dealt with it, and somehow I'm still surviving. My culture is very similar to your Muslim culture, except dancing on the weddings, LOL. But I don't know. I don't know what to want anymore. I'm feeling very doubtful about everything and so tired. It's like I'm working and working but nothing is happening. After the summer my hope is at least to move to another city for internship or at least I'm not here anymore. But I wouldn't call that a dream come true. I looked around for going abroad. Nothing really ringed a bell. For the most part because of money. But I was also stuck still stuck in uni at the time, university. Recently, I was offered in my hometown a PhD. Usually it comes with a good job at the university. I took it as a compliment, but it's not what I desired, so I don't want it. I don't understand how I can't find anything for myself that is truly what I desire going abroad and need, like I don't exist or it is not accessible. I have spent so much time alone, I don't know if it was humanly possible. I don't think it is bad. On the contrary, it worked really well for me, but I want to move on. Most of my girlfriends found a place in life and are in relationships, which is another subject that really hurts me. I don't understand how I can't find a partner and a family, and it literally makes me feel like my heart is falling apart. And then when I want to go to bed, I just cry. And a part of me wonders, what's the point of anything? Because at the end of the day, I just want to be happy. I'm not sure what to really ask. But I think you get the grit. Thank you. So I read this. This is the second time I read it. And as I'm reading it, I felt like I'm on a teeter-totter. I don't feel happy. People exhaust me. I want to be happy and I want to be with people. And the answer in your heart and in your mind is going abroad because you you believe that if you take your body from one place to another place, that everything will change. The one thing I learned from Origins of Truth is that happiness is a state of mind. It's not where your body is. For the most part, unless you feel culturally confined where you're at, that feeling of escaping, of leaving, of being somewhere else, of renewing the energy... But in the beginning, you talk about how people exhaust you and give you anxiety. And at the end, you talk about how you want a partner and a family. Somewhere in your life, you need to think about, you know, maybe I am happy, more happy alone. And sometimes when I feel lonely, I want a ready-made family to show up. Because to meet people, you you have to be part of it. People don't just ring our doorbell and show up. But bigger than that, you have a lot of good things going on that you can't see because the focus is on the anxiety, and on being tired. And you did get a very great proposition, but it wasn't what made you happy, but nothing you've done is making you happy. So the part about I want to be happy needs you to be part of the equation. So how does the book relate to this? Well, the self-accounting part, All those questions we ask ourselves. Why am I not happy? What have I done to help myself not be happy? Do I keep putting myself in places that don't give me that return? But bigger than the self-accounting, to even get to asking yourself why everything in your life isn't fulfilling you is to take one thing and to give it energy that will balance this energy. It may be as silly as and and, and as easy as going for a walk every day. Talking to God is huge. Origins of books became because I was talking to God. I was asking God questions because I really didn't know what I wanted. But I knew that I needed something. And what I needed was to feel compassion for myself because what's outside of me will be determined by what I think. The part that I want you to read, if you have the book and if you don't find it, is about ego. Because every single thing in here is your ego getting in the way between you and you feeling empowered enough to do something. Our ego is not designed to be a destination our ego is a lesson and we need to know the difference in our own heart because someone can tell us and tell us and tell us and it's like hitting a wall but if you're going to focus on anything right now because you have to start at ground zero is, is my ego running the show? Because ego will give you fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt. Feeling guilty for feeling bad, feeling worried because you don't know what's happening around you. And the reason people can't come to you in a healthier way is because you yourself aren't giving out energy that gives directions. Like people meet me, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm giving them directions of who I am in an unspoken language. I care about my family, I want to exercise, I want to work, I want to help people, I want to be able to be part of life in that way. You can get that in probably the first 10 minutes of meeting me. In words, in energy, you probably get it in the first 30 seconds. If you're feeling all of this, I don't want to be here. I don't know why I'm still in school. It's taking me forever. I'm really tired. I'm not really that interested in anything around me. When you walk that way, your sound goes that way, your your Appearance starts to look that way because we can only be what we are. We have to ask ourselves, what can I do to change that? And I know this is going to sound funny. Don't laugh when you hear this, but we're different colors. We're a bright color. Even while you're alone, don't wear stuff that fades you into a wall. Let yourself tell yourself that you like what you're doing today. I don't care what it is. I'm here and I'm going to enjoy it. These are not easy fixes because at first you're going to go, this feels stupid. Why would I say that? Why would I do that? Because now you are battling your ego. You're battling your ego. Our ego. It's like you found them ego as a destination as opposed to a lesson, something to grow past. It's like, oh, I'm just surviving. You are just surviving. And the more you say it, the more you're going to just survive. If everything that comes your way is not a big deal, and you tell your brain it's not a big deal, it's not going to be a big deal. negative vibe people that are coming to you with and exhausting you with and giving you anxiety over is what you're attracting. Why are you not attracting their better parts, their bigger parts, their happier parts? We can only Receive what we give out. So that energy exchange, you're walking around like nothing's thrilling me. You're going to meet everyone that nothing thrills. Nothing thrills them. Good company. Draining company. Builds anxiety because now it's more of the same. Now you think it's everywhere. Everybody has it. Because you have it. And they validate that to you. And that's why they exhaust you. Because you're like, oh, my God, it's not just me. It's everybody. I'm so tired. I'm just so tired. There was a time in my life that I felt that. And what I'm telling you is that there is a way out. And I could have written you back, but I wanted to talk about it because the book and writing the book took me out of that. It's why I started writing. Because I felt like that. In my marriage, because my ex husband had fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt. He was just like, for the most part, because I knew he had a good heart. I knew, I knew at the end of the day, he had a good heart. But what he shared was this I was never a big deal nothing about me was special to him, nothing about me was important to him. He wanted to put me down and I didn't know at the time that he had narcissism. I didn't even know what that was. But I experienced it through him and it wasn't it wasn't fun. It was very hurtful. And then I started to try to respond to it and fix it. And I got sucked in and I got very, very sad. And I got very, very skinny because when I'm sad, I don't eat. And I was skeletal by the time I left him. And when I say skeletal, I'm talking about under a hundred pounds and I'm a good probably one, I don't know what I am, between 115 and 120 now, but 20 pounds lighter than what I am now. And I wore layers of clothes to almost just protect myself because I was cold all the time. I didn't even sweat. So what happened to me was what this sounded like happened to me physically as well as mentally. And the first thing I did was accept his asking me for a divorce. I accepted what scared me most. Every time he asked me, I cried. I cried. And I didn't know that that made him feel powerful. But then I knew then I knew that I needed to go at any cost in my weakest moment because now I had to save myself for my children. You don't have a partner yet. You don't have children yet. But you need to save yourself for you so that you can have those things in your life. If you read the book in the beginning, I was asking God, what am I, Teflon? Would people come to me and just go away? Why can't I have a partner? Why does everybody else in the world have a partner that loves them? How did he leave me with with very, very little to raise the kids on? How could he have the conscience to do that to me? I'm a mother, not just me. I'm a mother and still. It was hard for me to attach to anything until I could see that I and only me could change what's coming in my life. So I made a decision. All the people that we knew together That wanted to talk about the divorce, I never talked to again. Which meant the entire world around me, I had to shut off. Not because I was angry at them, but because it was killing me and I needed to survive. They wanted to talk about my pain or what happened to my family over and over again. And I had to find a way to get through the eye of that needle. And it wasn't like if I ran into them, I just avoided them. It was that I didn't allow it to be my everyday life. I didn't even argue with him. I gave him everything. I didn't want anything except a peace of mind. And for you writing me this, your focus should start with, and this is your filter question. There's always a good filter question. And these are the things I learned in the book. If I'm feeling fear, doubt, worry, control, or guilt, I'm dealing with an ego that wants me to feel these feelings that nothing is a big deal, not even me. But at the end of the day, you need to ask yourself, have I done right by my soul today? Have I done right by my soul today? And that's a question we should ask ourselves at any time in any given place. Have I done right by my soul? You have a soul. And it's huge. Our souls are so big. The fact that we have to even tell each other is why Christ had to come. He's like, hey, you guys, you're not robots. You don't have a, a what do they call those, like a pad on your back that people can punch in a number and tell you what to do. Your brain can do that. We got so used to not using it that we got ignored. We ignored ourselves because we were trying to be good. We tried to fit in. We wanted another way to meet each other, only to find out that it separated us even further. And our gifts got further away from us. But that part of you, the soul. Someone said, I can't remember, they had a whole conversation about how we're not even souls. And I'm like, where did that come from? Everything I'm doing in my life is to recognize that depth that we have. And we call it a soul because it is our own personal data of anywhere we've ever been, not just here. But we can't know about everywhere we've been while we're here because being here is why we're here. And God keeps us in the moment by bailing us from everything else we know so that we can do this. And if that never made sense to you, I hope it just did. But our souls are so rich and fertile that when we focus on everything that's not working, we don't have energy left to take a look at what Is working. But I will bet my life that something in your letter, in your mind, in your heart, even if it's a little thing like enjoying going to bed at night, create a world around it. Build happiness into where you're at. The answer isn't about leaving. The answer is about reintroducing yourself to the deepest part of you, not the part that can complain or not feel. Because there's something in us that does feel. You felt enough to reach out and want to find hope. Because our souls are that hope. Even with nothing feeling like it phases you, and i I can't thank you enough. I cannot thank you enough for writing this because in different parts, I hear this a lot And really, what's happened is ego became the destination, and the way to fight back, fight for the rights of your mind back, is to take any one thing, even if it's you look forward to your meal every day, whatever it is that brings you a sense of joy, even if it's a moment, I want you to stretch that moment out. Because once you can do that, And you can feel good about one thing. You can start feeling good about other things. And the part about people exhausting you, stop participating back with negative things. Have you done right by your soul today? Participating with somebody who throws negative things or puts you down or... Or even people you want to put down. Whatever it is, walk away. I don't have time for this today. I have to study. I have to go do this. I have just natural things. Don't just say, well, I don't have time for you. I don't want to talk to you. Have you done right by your soul today? I have 10 seconds left. I am so sorry we only had a half hour today. I love you guys, and I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.